The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers 4DC. Welcome to The Echo Chamber. This is Arun Sudhaman from The Homes Report. Delighted to welcome back Aarti Shah, who's been away for a while, but is now back. Glad to be on The, uh, the Echo Chamber. Indeed. You were unavoidably called away. Yes, was away on my maternity leave and had a delightful time. Well, welcome back. You weren't actually away that long because we had our conference yes. in San Francisco. No, it was what we call work-life integration. <laughs> right, okay. You were leaning in, I guess. Yes, indeed. It's a pleasure, of course, to have you back. You were sorely missed. And we're going to talk, I think, today about something that you've got some specific insight into. Uh, and it's a story which is, um, which is really blowing up in the U.S. Starbucks's Race Together initiative, which seemed like a good idea at one point in time, but appears to be going rather badly. So I'm wondering if you could just fill us in, maybe let us know what the initiative entails, uh, and then tell us exactly where and how it's gone wrong. My first exposure to the Race Together campaign, and this was actually before it had been branded such, I believe, was talking to Corey DeBrow, who, as most of our listeners probably know, is the global head of communications for Starbucks. And he was actually a keynote speaker at the Into Summit, which was held in San Francisco in February. And one of the key pieces of his talk was this idea of having these conversations around race, especially in the U.S. in light of some incidents that happened last year in which young black men who were unarmed were killed after an encounter with the police, um, Eric Garner in New York and Michael Brown in, in Ferguson, Missouri. Mm. After that, racial tensions in the U.S. kind of boiled over a bit and there were um, protests, which you probably heard about in the U.K. Mm. And what Howard Schultz, CEO of Starbucks, decided to do was to do these public forums in some key markets around the country with some of the baristas. And when I first was exposed to this was when Corey and I spoke about it in preparation for his talk. And it seemed like a really powerful internal communications initiative, right? There wasn't really a public-facing component to it at this point. I believe some of the talks did... I believe Howard Schultz invited, um, in some instances, a, a chief of police as well. But they were they seemed to be closed-door forms that were reserved just for Starbucks, um, as they call them internally, partners, which are really you know the, the folks who run in their retail locations. So what has happened since then is they've decided to roll this initiative to the public, and that seems to be where things really went wrong. It seems to be the execution on how they presented this to the public where they seem to trip up. Because I will say when Corey presented the idea... At the N2 Summit, he showed incredibly powerful video footage from these forums in which you had Starbucks employees crying and just being so grateful that their CEO was taking the time to talk about such a sensitive topic and that he showed a passion and interest in this topic and, and making it better. So it was actually quite powerful. And, and Corey showed quite a bit of footage and the room was silent in a very meaningful way. And after he finished there was a lot of interest in talking to him about taking on such a sensitive um, and controversial topic. What has happened since then, I think that where, again, they, they went wrong, was been the public rollout of it. Yeah, so it sounds like, uh, on the face of it, an idea that most people would get behind, a major corporation trying to address uh, racial tensions in a more constructive manner 
and doing so in a way that wins support from the company staff, which are obviously Starbucks, in many ways, their key constituents. Mm -hmm. But it went pretty badly wrong when they went public. Why was that? You know, this was somewhat on brand for Starbucks, right? I mean, Starbucks is a company that has not been afraid to take on, you know, whatever the top, the most pressing sort of topical issues of our day is. They've done it way back when with when they provided health care for their part-time employees, which is rare in the U.S. They took a stance on guns in their stores. They took a stance on the government shutdown from a few years ago, um, just last year, right around the student loans, which is a which is a big problem in the U.S. and it gets a lot of news coverage. Starbucks took, took a stand on that. I guess the difference has been every other time when they've taken a stand, there's been a plan of action behind it immediately to say, look, this is or this is what we're, you know, for instance, on student loans, we think student loans is a problem in this country. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do our part to solve it. One of the issues, I think, with the Race Together campaign was there wasn't an immediate rollout of action. I think now they've come out and said that they're planning to, you know, hire disadvantaged youth in their stores and they're planning to build stores in minority areas. Um, but from what I can understand, that those announcements came after the initial public rollout of Race Together. Mm. So it, I, because of that, I think it felt a little bit too much like a marketing campaign and a little bit too much like they were capitalizing on racial tensions in the U.S. Mm. And there were a couple of other issues, I think, that people had with it. I mean, part of it was some, some of the copy that they had around the initiative. The criticism I've heard is that there wasn't enough diversity around some of the corporate collateral that they put out around it. I think at one point they they used the phrase that started with one voice around Howard Schultz, which, you know, I mean, that's a little tricky because it's not like the racial conversations in this country haven't been happening, you know, before Starbucks decided to weigh in on the conversation. And then having the baristas initiate a conversation, there seemed to be a lot of backlash against that. Some people have said that if they had just had the hashtag on the coffee cups without asking the baristas to start a conversation, that maybe would have sat better with people because it would have been raising awareness without forcing a conversation on, which I think some people felt. And then some of it was also, you know, they, they did some paid ads, I think, in the New York Times and USA Today last week. And given that they that this was seemed to be sort of a youth-targeted initiative, it was surprising that they didn't go with some of the some platforms like YouTube or BuzzFeed or, or Facebook, you know, platforms that feel a bit more like a two-way street and that are a bit more digitally oriented, which seem to be more conducive to, to this kind of conversation instead of doing a, a kind of a, a one-way ad or some of the criticisms that, that I think I've, mm. I've heard. Does it surprise you that Starbucks got it wrong in terms of how they revealed the campaign to the wider American public? I would have felt that if there was any company that could handle taking a stand on a controversial topic, Starbucks was a handful of corporations that could do that credibly because it's a consistent part of their brand. And every, you know, I mean, pretty much every shareholders meeting, Coward Schultz talks about, you know, he has a social agenda that he brings forward. So I am surprised. I mean, I thought that, that they have enough experience, you know, on carrying out a social agenda that I thought that they would be able to do this, execute on this in a way that didn't have so many stumbles. However, race is a tricky, tricky topic, and and it's a really difficult topic to get right. And you know, on one hand, corporations, if they don't take a stand on on certain topics, they're said, okay, well, you're playing it too safe, or you know, you all are avoiding any sort of controversy. And then on the other hand, when they do, it seems like they do get um, backlash. But having said that, I, I do think that this was executed poorly. You know, in the voices that they had, there needed to be some more diverse voices speaking on Starbucks's behalf. I think that would have been helpful as well. 
Now, you just touched upon, I suppose, the explosiveness of this topic to begin with, and I think it's probably safe to say that the vast majority of corporations would not go near this issue at all. So, on one level at least, do you think Starbucks should be applauded for um, trying to have a conversation about race, or do you think that as a corporation they should just be um, much more wary about sensitive issues such as these? I applaud them. I think that's actually worked really well for their brand so far, taking social issues. I think people treat Starbucks as a company with a conscience, and I think that's helped their brand. And like I said, I mean, this is not new for Starbucks. It's not like they woke up one day and said, hey, you know what? We want to push a social agenda. I mean, they've they've consistently done this. And when Howard Schultz spoke out in favor of gay marriage, he did get backlash on mm-hmm. that. I mean, there was a, a boycott Starbucks that happened, or I think that was in 2012. And even with the with the guns in their stores, they 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 received they, you know they had backlash against that. So I do applaud them for taking a stand, and I do think that it's helped their brand. I mean, they they're seen as as a brand with you know that that has principles that sticks with them. In this particular case, I think they just needed to proceed with a bit more caution than they did. They had just rolled it out in the markets in which they had had the forms, but these are major markets. These are you know San Francisco Bay Area. Los Angeles, um, Chicago, St. Louis amongst, amongst them. So in some ways they did pilot it, but, you know, in this day and age, you can't isolate events like that. Mm. Um, so it did get national exposure, but they perhaps needed to sanity check this a little bit more than they did. You think maybe they were all drinking the, uh, I was going to say Kool-Aid, but presumably <laughs> they just drink Starbucks. the lattes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, if you saw Corey's keynote at the Into Summit, I mean, there was a genuine passion around this topic, and there was genuine interest in trying to heal, you know, what some of the the, the issues that that came up around, especially at the, you know towards the end of last year when we had these these incidences. And it's not to say that, and I and I don't believe Starbucks believes that it can solve racial tension in the U.S. I mean, there's there's you know hundreds of years of of history that that goes that goes behind this. So I don't, but but I think that Starbucks. Was in some ways, and I think they didn't do this well enough. But they're in some ways, we're hearkening back to the to the role that coffee shops have played in social movements, right? In you know historically, mm-hmm. and if they had focused more on that and said, you know, coffee shops are a place where people have come together to help solve social issues, that would may have been more powerful than just you know saying mm-hmm. you know have a conversation with your barista because there is a role that coffee shops have played historically in social movements um, not only in this country but I think um, around the world so you know as being sort of a meeting place where the community comes together so I think mm-hmm. if they had if they had rooted it more in that it would have served them better yeah. I mean that's it's also a tactical thing but it, it seemed to leave the baristas quite exposed as well and they and I think they've had to scale that back now. Yes, yeah, the, the baristas are no longer going to write the hashtag race together on the drinks, although they're saying that the plan was for that only to be a short-lived initiative, but what they're saying now is that they've ended that as planned. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sort of reminded me a little bit of the McDonald's Lovin' campaign, right, where they had their cashiers asking people to, you know, call their mothers or, you know, perform some kind of good deed. Right. Uh, it was sort of similar to that. But they got free food in return, didn't they? They did, right? They were, they were paying with love, I guess, was the idea. Yeah. I suppose it becomes problematic if you're asking people to be more racially sensitive in return for a free Americano. <laughs> <laughs> I'd consider yes. it. <laughs> but going back to the broader point, you know, we hear a lot about how corporations should consider taking a political stance. It's the kind of thing that makes 
them more attractive to employers, um, although obviously it depends on the political stance involved. But do you think people are going to look at this, maybe other corporations, and actually learn the lesson that it's perhaps too controversial to get involved in things like this, and maybe it's better to just say nothing? Or to choose topics that are less heated. Um, yes, I, I mean, you look at like Chick-fil-A, right, on the, on the other side of the political mm. st- spectrum that, that took a stance against gay marriage. And so, sometimes it was just a part of the country you're dealing with or, or different demographics. Um, they were, you know, there was a celebrate Chick-fil-A day that happened around that. And people, and apparently there were lines out the door of people that were supporting Chick-fil-A's stance. And there were, on the flip side of that, you also saw plenty of boycotts that happened around Chick-fil-A as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like every time, it, well, then going back to Chick-fil-A's example, I mean, they backtracked on it, right? I mean, they, they, it kind of admitted that it was sort of a mistake for them to weigh in on this. And they tried to say that I think it was just their CEO's point of view, but not necessarily the company's point of view. And, you know, similarly, we've seen Starbucks backtrack a little bit on, on race together. So I think, yeah, I think the lesson so far for companies would be that, well, it doesn't seem to go right when you take a stance on a really charged topic. Mm, I suppose if, if you're going to take a stance on a really charged topic, then the way you do it is so important. Um, but, I, but I, you know, if, if Starbucks had done that with the action items already there, I wonder if that would have changed people's reception to it. And mm. it, it wouldn't have felt as much like a marketing campaign right. if they had come out and said, look, this is something we believe in. You know, these are the programs we've set up to help to do our part. And, and you know, it said, look, I mean, we, we can't solve this problem entirely, but this is what we can do right now. And we want to hear from you. What else would you like us to do? It would have felt more like a conversation. I think it did feel a little bit like Starbucks was coming in and, and, you know, just saying, oh, you know, we can solve race by just having our baristas mm. ask, ask you how you're feeling today about race. It's, it's ironic, really, given that a lot of this was based around the conversations they had internally as a business, mm-hmm. that when they came out, it actually looked more like a marketing campaign than, um, you know, anything more interactive. I mean, I suppose that's why it wasn't sanity checked a little bit better because they they did receive such positive feedback from their employees when they did these these forms. But I think because the forms weren't highly publicized, there was a lot of credibility around the fact that they were having them because they didn't do a big marketing and promotional push around the fact that Howard Schultz was was doing these these forms. It really wasn't until Race Together that. They, they did the big push that, 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 they, that we saw last week. Mm. And what happened to, uh, to Corey uh, on Twitter? Because that was uh, one mm-hmm. of the, the, the other little stories around this was, uh, was, was, was he deleted his Twitter account? He did. He did delete his Twitter account because of some of the personal attacks that, and, and when, when we spoke, and I think he's actually been quite public about this, is the reason he deleted it was he was receiving too many personal attacks. And, and he also felt like, it was taking away from the fact that this is a Starbucks initiative. This wasn't about him, which, you know, fair, fair enough. But, but it did seem a little bit like they didn't have a plan for some of the backlash that they were going to get. And, and I, and I, and I'm, you know, they, they very well, that could, that their plan could have been, okay, if things get too intense, why doesn't, you know, let's have Corey close, close his Twitter profile down. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but, but it did, it, it, it seemed to, sort of make things a little worse. And I think what Corey ended up doing is he did post um, um, a piece on Medium explaining, you know, why he 
why he shut his Twitter down and why he's back on Twitter when he came back, which I believe was was about a little more than 24 hours after he he closed his uh, Twitter account down. Right. What's unavoidable here as well is certainly in some of the responses to Corey is you could see a lot of um, minorities, I think, in particular, uh, with the kind of viewpoint that they felt a little patronized that um, a big corporation like Starbucks, which isn't run by minorities, would 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 hope to have some sort of insight into racial tensions. I mean, how valid a view do you think that is, and and how difficult is that going to make it um, for a corporation, any corporation, to weigh in on some of these things? I'm surprised that Starbucks didn't take into account and 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 maybe have some more diverse voices representing Starbucks. You know, it didn't even mm. necessarily have to be somebody from their leadership team. They could have found someone with you know within the for instance, the, the African-American community and bring them on and say, hey, do you want to roll this out with us? Um, I was actually surprised that they didn't do that because if you follow Twitter, it was really difficult um, for a lot of minority people to handle having, you know, folks with, you know, somewhat, you know, you know very privileged mm. um, white yeah. Americans sort of owning this conversation. And, yeah. and it felt like there wasn't enough understanding as to what, you know, I mean, and, and granted the, the forums, that, that was one step, but but it's a bit naive to think that, you know, if you have a forum with your employees about race, that suddenly you completely understand a minority mm-hmm. person's experience. Um, so, so I think that was, that was a bit naive. And it, and it, of course, you know, did shine, you know, sort of a harsh light on, you know, the somewhat, the lack of diversity of Starbucks's leadership team. Right. And, mm. and so, you know, I mean, I think yeah, there, there was at one point, um, for instance, I think this was years ago, but Magic Johnson, for example, he owned some some Starbucks stores, which I mm-hmm. believe he, he since have s- sold back. But I mean, it would have been, you know, I don't I don't know what relationship they have with him, but you know, if they perhaps would have gone to him and said, "Hey, do you want to, given your affiliation with Starbucks in the past, do you want would you like mm-hmm. to roll this out with us or, or some or some community um, or public figure within the African American community?" I think that would have helped. Yeah. Consider- I mean, this sounds just basic, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it it does, it does, and, and and I, I think there was just genuine excitement around the the responses that they received from these forums. I mean, the footage that Corey showed. I mean, and, but there were there were Starbucks employees who were, I mean, minority employees who were crying in tears and just saying how grateful they were to work at Starbucks and how grateful they were to have a, a CEO like Howard Schultz who truly. Who they felt truly cared about them, and um, and I think it was an I think if you were, if that was your only exposure and you didn't test this out against other audiences and I don't know that they whether they did or didn't, um, but I can see how you would be moved and say yeah wow I mean this resonated so well with our employees I think the public is going to have an equally you know positive response. Okay, excellent. Well, Arthi, thanks very much for your insight into this. And I guess we'll be following this story as it unfolds. In fact, I think our colleague Paul Holmes is, as we speak, perhaps, writing a fairly in-depth analysis of this issue, having had some conversations with Howard Schultz himself. So that will be an interesting one to read. And we will have you back on the show pretty soon, I guess. Thanks, Arun. It's always a pleasure to, to talk with you on this on the podcast. We'll be back with another Echo Chamber soon. Um, as always, we look forward to your feedback. You can get us on Twitter, on our website, email, phone. Thank you very much. 
thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.